This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 14th, 2014. Craving Christmas, we crave truth. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today, a time when we can lean in and talk about your word, your truth found in scripture, and how that applies to our lives. God, set all of our stuff aside that we might be thinking about right now that come after church and help us focus on you. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. So truth, keeping it real in line with the facts as opposed to fiction or fantasy. Truth, we want the truth, we need the truth, and contrary to that well-known uh, line uttered by Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men, we can handle the truth. It might be challenging at times, especially when the truth is personally painful, but we can handle it. And in the long tr- on the long run, truth is very often very healing. The bottom line is that we crave the truth. We do crave the truth. We want to know what happened. We want to know the real deal, the facts. I can remember a time in my adult life where there was something out of whack with my family, not this family, but my family of origin and things just didn't add up. And I just wanted to know the truth. And the day I heard the truth, it, it wasn't pretty, but at least things came together. And I understood a few things that I hadn't known before. You see, truth is important because it helps us deal with things a little bit better. We aren't dealing in this, this spot of grayness or weirdness. When we know the truth, we can begin to deal with the truth. And here's the bottom line with the truth. There's a freedom that comes with truth. So we uh, turn to John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, where he talks about truth. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm, The truth will set you free. Did you ever tell a lie, even a a little one? Maybe you could justify it. You know, we usually can. And and, and then you had to be careful because you had to remember just what you had said in the lie so you wouldn't slip up and discredit yourself, and then something else happened, so you had to add to the lie, and it kind of steamrolled and got kind of out of control, and then you embellished the original lie so much that you're not even sure what the truth is and where the lie and what the lines are all blurred, and it gets harder and harder to remember the truth and what you made up as the lie. It's a real challenge, isn't it, sometimes? And, uh, you know, Jesus said... The truth will set you free. You know, when I was a kid, sometimes I can remember a couple really big mess-ups, and I had such a guilt complex. And in our our home, we had a 
little like kitchen nook, these two booths, kind of like a diner. And the one booth was my childhood confessional. You know what I'm saying? I'd lay on that and I'd count to 50. That's always what I did when I wasn't, you so know, when 50? I went to, yeah, it was 50, but I'd do it wow. about three times just to get up the gut. I remember the time I was eight and I'd smoked with some friends, eight years old. Can you believe it? And, <clears throat> and I had to fess it up. I just had, it was eating me alive, you know? So I had to tell my dad, you know, oh, dad, I smoked. Well, did you like it? No. Why'd you do it? That was it. But anyway, um, but after that, you know, the truth had set me free. Yeah. Because as painful as the truth is at times, it's never as painful as not knowing. And it's never as painful as being lied to. Isn't that right? Lies equal distrust. Can you say that? Lies Lies equal distrust. When we are told lies or when we tell lies, we distrust or we don't deserve trust. Let's say the next thing. Truth Truth equals equals trust. trust. As hard as the truth is sometimes to tell or to hear, that helps create a foundation of trust. This came from the very beginning of the Bible. God thought put it in the top 10 commandments about telling the truth. Commandment number nine is you shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. You shouldn't make up things. You shouldn't gossip. You need to tell truth or sometimes not say anything at all, quite honestly, when it's about your neighbor. Don't tell falsehoods about other people. Keep it real keep it true. The challenge sometimes is, is actually knowing what the truth is because, you see, we, we have these filters and we think we know the truth, but it's been filtered through our persona, through our experience and all that. When, for uh, example, we, we uh, like counsel a couple sometimes and the, 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 let's say the gal will tell us the story and then independently the guy will tell us the story and we go like, is this even close to being the same story? And it's, it's not that they're purposely trying to lie. It's not that they're trying to deceive. It's just that each one has his or her own filters, their own experience, their own point of view, their own way of seeing the world. And their understanding of what happened and their knowledge of what happened can be like night and day. It's always important when there's two sides. To remember, there are two sides to the story. And usually neither one is absolutely the absolute truth. Yeah, that's the challenge. I am just remembering something, Alan, about Uh a... Now I'm in trouble. Truth. No, it's not about us that that I grew up with. So my mom was very proud that we had Indian heritage. And so we grew (laughs) up as uh, Rappahannock. We were told we were Rappahannock Indians from Virginia. So I did um, reports when I was in fourth grade about the Rappahannocks. Aaron, Megan, Devin, and Turner did reports about the not Rappahannocks. <laughs> well, not Anyway, so we're Rappahannock. About 10 years ago, my mom and I were at a funeral for a family member, and we were sitting across the table from her cousin, and mom said something like, you know, uh, our Rappahannock heritage. And, I'm, and the woman said, we're not Rappahannock, we're Cherokee. <laughs> And mom's like, oh no, my father told me I'm Rappahannock. We're Rappahannock. 
my grandfather had conjured up this huge story that mom believed for years, that I believed for years, that my kids believed for years, and now we have an identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie's still rewriting those reports. So I don't school. know if we're Rappahannock or Chararappahannock. I don't know, but Chara-Hanic. there's some Yeah. But you know, she believed the truth. She absolutely believed. But the it was story. wrong. But it was wrong. It was fl- she believed, but it was wrong. Well, <laughs> Jesus, I was trying to switch gears here. That might not have even been appropriate to it's share, but it just occurred to me. Because My mom be- could tell us stories, and they were her truth. For just sure. because we believe what we're told doesn't mean it's necessarily the truth. True. Or she probably thought that that was true, but in fact and truth it wasn't, even though that's what somehow came to be. That is true. Well, near the <laughs> end of his life, Jesus was trying to prepare. Now, he was dis- neither one, no. Rappahannock or Cherokee, right? He, right, right. He was a different tribe, right? Different tribe. Right. Just so we got that straight here. Yeah. He was trying to prepare the disciples for a time when he would no longer be with them, when he would be gone. And so he shared with them words of comfort that we find in John chapter 14. Maybe you've heard these words before. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my father's house, or my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Those are some real words of comfort, aren't they? Um, If you've been at a funeral, that's often words that you may hear because they're so comforting knowing, you know, that... Jesus is preparing a place for the disciples, preparing a place for us, for you and me, and in his Father's house in heaven in the hereafter, and, and he's coming back for us. Yeah, that's just such great news. And, and, and then he tells the disciples they know the place where he's going. <laughs> and it's Thomas. You know this character Thomas? We now call him Doubting Thomas. He's the one who is never afraid to say, I don't get it. The one who... Later, he later says that uh, he wasn't there when Jesus first appeared after the resurrection. So he says, I'm not going to believe it till I actually see it, till I actually put my hand in his side and touch those nail holes. I'm not going to believe it. He's the one that keeps it real. So Thomas says to Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you, you know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You know, when Thomas didn't get it, he said so. He was no pretender. He just sort of tells it like it is. Truthful, painfully truthful. You know, <laughs> I don't get what you're saying at all, Jesus. Now, unfortunately for us, we are not always truthful. And especially at times when we don't understand things or when we need help We don't tell the truth about those kinds of things out of fear, possibly. Fear of looking stupid, fear of looking dumb, fear of being ridiculed. We have fear sometimes, and and unlike Thomas, we don't come clean with our questions. So Thomas' honest response elicits this. 
from Jesus. Thomas said, you know, we don't, we don't know uh, where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said this. He said, I am the. And the. And the. Yeah, no, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, <laughs> you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him, basically because you've seen me. Yeah. So Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us, right here today because it's the living word of God, that Jesus is the real thing. Jesus is the way, is the truth, and the life. He doesn't just show us the way or tell us about the way. He is the way, absolutely. He doesn't just speak the truth or live the truth. Jesus is the truth, absolutely. He doesn't just tell us about life. Jesus is life, yes. And the way to the Father is through Jesus. The way to God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth, is through Jesus. The way to a relationship with God is through his Son. I can't say this enough because this is part of the untruth that we hear. The way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ, his Son, and Jesus alone. Yeah. That is the truth. He is the truth. And here's the thing. We're able to know the truth, the real truth, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, since he is the truth. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to the truth, as Jesus reveals the truth to us. Let me give you a personal example. There was a point <clears throat> uh, earlier years of our marriage when we thought all of our belongings were ours. We thought it was Alan and Carrie's stuff. And so as a result, we gave God a little pittance out of the leftovers thinking that we were really sacrificing <laughs> out of our and actually, the truth is we were actually giving out of our excess, but we didn't get that. As we get closer to Jesus, Jesus reveals the truth to us that we're just caretakers of God's stuff, what they call stewards. Steward means you're taking care of it for somebody else. And we came to realize through Christ that it all belonged not to us, but to God. So as a result, we figure, well, since it's God, we can do this tithing thing, which means right off the top, 10%. And, 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 and then we were be able to be thankful, not, rah, 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 we got to give 10%, but thankful for the 90% that God allowed us to keep and use the 90% of his stuff that was all his in the first place. Does that all make sense? Yeah, amen, amen. Well, here at Christmas time, we hear a lot of stories, a lot of tales, a lot of myths, a lot of stuff that's been created over the years. And in many ways, we cherish these stories so much that kind of make the season a bit magical. But the bottom line is this. 
the reason for the season is not all that. The reason, I mean, it sounds just trite, but it's not. It's basic truth. The reason for everything that we're doing, for the wreaths, for the trees, for the, it's Jesus Christ. If we strip away all of the trappings of the seasons, the, the dishes and the decorations and the wreaths and the trees and the, the lights and the sights and songs and Santas and stockings and all of that stuff, if we strip it all away, we still have what we have is truth. Like, tear it all away. And then we have truth. The truth of this season that we are preparing for, this Advent season. That means preparation. We are preparing for the birth of the Savior of the world. And that's what it's all about. And so the, the truth, knowing the truth, has always been a very important part of this Christmas story right from the beginning. Check this out, Matthew 1, 18 through, excuse me, 18 through 19. This is the New International Version. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. We're not told how, but we can surmise that Mary probably told him. Now, can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine when Mary shared her state of being just what Joseph's face might have Ben, or what his heart, I mean, his heart was probably pounding out of his chest as she was telling him. I mean, he knew she was a virgin as far as he was concerned, but this Holy Spirit deal, what was all that? I mean, what is that about? That would be a tough one, I think, for anybody to accept. And so Joseph being um, a good man, he had plans to quietly, and the engagement to quietly divorce her. Remember, back in the day, if you were engaged, it was the same as marriage. That's why they say quietly divorce. Same as marriage without the benefits. <laughs> That's why the need for divorce. I find this an interesting little piece because most guys I know, if their fiancé was pregnant and they weren't the father, they wouldn't be looking for this quietly not... They, they, they wouldn't mind disgracing her. Am, am I alone thinking that? Are you projecting here? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that would be a real challenge, I think, for a lot of you. Oh, let's just keep... But the thing is, as we shared last week, <clears throat> um, she could be stoned to death by law for having relations with someone other than her fiancé. And, and so Joseph wanting to avoid public disgrace for her tells you just a great deal about his character, doesn't it? Huge character on Joseph's part. You know, isn't that incredible, the kind of character, of course, for the guy who's going to be the father, the earthly father, of the Son of God. 
Yeah. Matthew 1. <coughs> but after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, <coughs> because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so it was through this angelic visit and a dream that Joseph came to realize and understand the truth of Mary's pregnancy. He was not only told how the pregnancy came to be, but also what the child's name would be and why the child was sent to save the people from their sins. This baby was the one who the prophets had spoken of for centuries. He was the one that God had promised. And by the way, you know, we keep seeing how this name Jesus, this name Jesus, how they're told that's the name, and it's very important because that name Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, it means God saves us. God saves us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Knowing the truth, Believing the truth set Joseph free. He was able to overcome his disbelief, able to overcome any social awkwardness there might have been, able to ignore the ru rumors. Can you just imagine what, what was flying around? He was able to care for the one who God gave him, who was bearing, carrying the Son of God. We crave the truth, and when we have the truth, that allows us to do what is right, to do what is righteous, to do what God calls us to do. The truth sets us free. Say that. The truth sets us free. Knowing it and telling it. And so I've shared this uh, recently, but it's, it's the most recent example in my life about truth setting us free, setting me free. Due to a, a bad break in my arm and surgery, there was a lot of pain, and I took OxyContin to help with the pain. There was a day that I realized that I took an Oxycontin at night to do a preemptive strike against the pain. I hadn't quite had it, but I wanted to sleep, and I believed that Oxy would help me, which it did. Well, I believe that only through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, one night I was convicted that I had crossed the line, that I was taking it, abusing it, instead of taking it the way uh, I needed. I didn't really have the amount of pain that uh, Oxy warranted. So um, I realized it, and I confessed to Alan. 
I confessed to my small group, I confessed to people around me, and when I confessed, that set me free. I dumped it down the toilet, and then I gutted out a few tough days, and then ultimately became totally free. Now I know that many of us have different kinds of stories where we hold something and we keep it and actually when we do that and when there are things that are these secrets, when we don't tell the truth, we're like in chains and we're prisoners to that. But it's only through Jesus and through his forgiveness and through his love that we indeed are set free. I had to face the truth myself, and then I was set free. So we crave truth. Our question for you this morning is, <clears throat> what truth are you craving this Christmas? Is there uh, something that you need to share with yourself? Look in the mirror and kind of fess up and be truthful with this person, or is there something you need to share with someone else, as Carrie shared with me and her small group? Is that the truth that you crave this Christmas? Is there some truth from somebody else that you're feeling you're not getting the truth that you need to pray strongly about? Um, is the truth that you crave this Christmas the truth about Jesus Christ? You know, maybe this whole thing to you is a story. And when I say story, I mean a myth. You know, the Holy Spirit, the virgin birth, come on. Is that, is that something that... that that you need to really pray about, that God would deliver you to allow you to know that it is the truth, that that is real. What are you craving this Christmas? The truth that Jesus is the angel, or is who the angel said he was? The one that God sent to save the people, to save you and me from our sins. Do you, do you crave the truth that God loves you so much that God would send his one and only son not just to be born on Christmas Day, but 33 plus or minus years later, that he would allow himself to be hung on a cross, to die, and then to rise again, so that you and I might be forgiven and allowed to live through eternity thanks to his sacrifice. Is that the truth that you crave this Christmas? Do you crave the truth that the absolute greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or the greatest gift you might give is to help introduce someone else to this guy you know Jesus and the saving grace that he offers do you do you crave knowing him personally a personal relationship with the one that Mary carried was born in a manger raised by an earthly father who had the kind of character we talked about today and then again went to the cross for you I'm going to take a couple minutes here and give you the opportunity just to pray and just to focus oh, Lord uh, what, what, what truth am I craving what is the truth that I crave you can pray from your seats if you'd like the steps are wide open you come up front if you want to pray with somebody we have a couple prayer warriors in the back that would love to pray with you if that would be beneficial to you. What truth are you craving this Christmas?
Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, um, we crave truth. I pray this morning that, that each one of us would get ever closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, the truth. And as we get closer, we would be able to get closer to being able to share the truth, to know the truth, to being able to face the truth in our lives and those around us. Please help us to, to know the truth intimately, to be in personal relationship so that we might be the truth as well. It's in Christ and your Holy Spirit we pray. All those gathered said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.